0: Welcome to episode two of Cinefessions, the solo podcast devoted to the confessions of a cinephile. I'm your host, Brandon Chowan. Now as I teased in episode one, this episode is going to see the beginning of the first movie marathon here on the Cinefessions podcast. But before I introduce the marathon, I want to note that if I ever start getting listener feedback, I'll add it to this section of the show. So that means if you send me any questions, comments, suggestions, I'll talk about them on this part of the show. And I want to send a special thank you out to my buddy Wolvie, who helped promote the last show and and gave me some positive feedback. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Wolverine Factor. Alright, so, as some of you might know, along with watching movies, I also enjoy playing video games a great deal. And one of the first games I remember watching my uncle play when I was younger was the survival horror game Resident Evil on the original PlayStation. I absolutely loved watching my uncle play through games. I don't know, it's something I've always enjoyed, watching other people play video games, probably because they're just better at it than I am. But whenever he was done playing, it would be my turn to pick up the controller and and get the hell scared out of me, because that's what Resident Evil was all about. When I was younger, I never did play through the entire game series, but... I always helped my uncle get started by manning the strategy guy whenever a new entry in the series would come out. And because of the time I spent with my uncle playing Resident Evil and watching Resident Evil, the series has always held a special place in my heart. And I remember being incredibly excited to see the original film in theaters when I was in high school. My friend and I went to see it, I enjoyed it, and that was that. For one reason or another, I never really returned to the theater to see the franchise continue. This has always been an issue for me as a gamer, and, and something that I've always been ashamed to admit that I've never watched through this entire series. But since I happen to own the entire franchise on Blu-ray, what better way to kick off Cinefessions than with a Resident Evil marathon? Now, these marathons will work as follow. I'll review one movie in the marathon each episode. Then, after all films have been reviewed, I'll host a special awards show to give out awards for best picture, directing, acting, and so on. Now, there are no set awards because I'll be watching all different types of marathons, but you can always assume that there will be a best picture and a best acting award of some sort. So the Resident Evil Marathon will begin today, which is episode 2, and will wrap up with an awards show on episode 7. Now that means that I will be reviewing all 5 films for the Resident Evil universe. That's the 4 live action films and the 1 animated film for those trying to figure out where the 5th movie is coming from. So now that we all know how that's going to work, let's get to it. The first film on the docket is the original Resident Evil from 2002, written and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Let me start by giving a summary of the original film. The deadly T-virus breaks out in an underground governmental facility known as the Hive, and an elite group of military personnel is sent in to find out, A, what's going on, and B, how to fix the problem. Alice, who's played by Mila Jovovich, is suffering from amnesia, but she tries to lead the group through this underground lair, which is now infested with flesh-eating, slow-moving zombies. Alice slowly starts to remember who she is, but the group is running out of time. They only have three hours to complete their mission and escape the hive before the doors seal shut forever. It's the epitome of the sci-fi-slash-horror-slash-action hybrid that we see a lot nowadays. As I mentioned in the first episode, I'm going to list a set of pros for each film, a set of cons for each film, and then give my final thoughts on the film. So with Resident Evil, my first pro I have listed here is Michelle Rodriguez as Rain is absolutely hysterical. She has a ton of funny one-liners that, well, I think they're funny. I don't know if everyone else will, but that's up for you to decide. So these one-liners that really set her character apart. And not only is her acting really well in terms of uh, the degradation of her character from this A hotshot, badass woman to this slowly degrading person who got bitten by a zombie. Not only is the acting there, but the makeup is there. And the makeup looks incredible. The makeup and the performance really make her character the best one in the film. Another pro, the metal soundtrack is perfect for this type of sci-fi horror action flick. There's Marilyn Manson on the soundtrack. There's Slipknot, Cold Chamber, Adema, Fear Factory, Static X, Romstein, El Nino, Mudvayne, Method Man, Saliva... It's a lot of very good heavy metal, rap metal, alternative metal, industrial metal, whatever you want to call it, that type of music, and it fits really well with this film. Also, the slow-moving zombies harkens back to the original days of Night of the Living Dead, and it was really cool to see again, because nowadays you see the running zombie, especially, I mean, even look at Resident Evil 5, the video game, you have fast-moving zombies. Look at virtually any zombie film that comes out now, and you're going to see running zombies, which is fine, I love that. Dawn of the Dead 2004 is one of my favorite zombie movies of all time, and they have fast zombies, but it was just interesting to see the difference back in 2002 when they were still using slow-moving zombies for the majority of the zombie films compared to now when you see the fast-running zombies, and so I really enjoyed seeing those slow-paced zombies again. Also, there were some really nice kills, most notably the laser room. Now, I don't want to give things away, but when you get to that moment in the film, you'll know what I'm talking about, and you'll realize that I'm absolutely right. The, cool, the kills are very cool at that moment. The slow-motion effects normally can be cheesy, but Paul W.S. Anderson manages to use them quite effectively, and they helped Alice seem like even more of a badass than she already did, which was something that was needed for this film, because Alice kind of takes a backseat to the character of Rain. The slow-motion effects really helped in that regard, and I really enjoyed them. Now, I knew coming into this film that this wasn't a movie version of the original Resident Evil game, and that's fine. I did love that Anderson threw in a lot of knots to the original game, though, including the mansion, the dogs, the crow, statues, and so on. Now, these things weren't hugely important to the story, but it was still cool to see that Anderson must have at least played through the game once, even if he did take this particular story in a different direction. So I appreciated that. And finally, the last pro I want to touch on is the action sequences were a lot of fun to watch. And really, that's what's most important in a film like this. The action sequences made a lot of sense. They melded well together to create the whole of the film, and so that was enjoyable. Now, moving on to the negative side with the cons. One, there's virtually no character development that's worth mentioning at all, and that lack of character, character development hurts when Paul W.S. Anderson is trying to get the audience to believe that Alice cares about the others in the crew and whether or not they will turn into zombies. I simply didn't believe that because they barely know each other. And through the film, we're never shown any sequences where they're really getting to know each other and really starting to care about each other. So that was a negative for the film. Number two, James Purefoy as Spence Parks was very blah. The character is boring and lifeless. And the fact that I could tell he was trying to hide an accent really didn't help his cause. In such a big production, there really should be a dialect coach to help keep the actors in their appropriate dialect. And it was disappointing to see him slip into his normal british dialect at points when it obviously was not a british character third the ending was incredibly inconclusive and disappointing overall when looking at the film by itself the absurdity of the men in white which this isn't really a spoiler at all but the absurdity of the men in white appearing from nowhere and then the obvious setup of the sequel was a bit much but given that they knew they were going to be making a sequel or rather they assumed they were going to be making a sequel i can see what they were trying to do But still, it's very inconclusive for one film, so it's hard to look at this film on its own. Another con, W.S. Anderson's use of the moving camera. Uh, Specifically, he loved to employ the arc shot that sees the camera moving around in a circle around the subject. It it got a bit distracting as the film went on, and because the camera really never stopped moving, it's going to aggravate some people. Now, it's nothing like the shaky cam effect, which just bugs me when there's no point to it. But this arc shot that he like to employ over and over and over again, it just got repetitive. So I just feel like he could have done something different instead of continuously using this arc shot over and over again. And in general, he could have had the camera hold still a little bit more. But I understand why he's doing it. Is to try to create that tension, give the audience the idea that things are constantly moving, that the energy is constantly moving forward, which is okay, but it just got a little aggravating later on in the film. Now finally, and I... Pause before I bring this up, just because the film was made in 2002, and I understand that, but some of the CGI, which, if you'll know me, I'm not a huge fan of CGI in general, some of it was very badly done. Now, I understand that the liquor monster won't look that great, because it is 2002, but when you can't make the CGI blood or the fire effects look good, then there's a problem, and that's when I have to bring it up. Even though it is 2002, really, you should be able to make a simple flame or a simple patch of blood on the ground look at least semi-realistic, more so than it did. So those are my list of cons for Resident Evil. My final thoughts, I enjoyed Resident Evil quite a bit. There were problems, but I feel like some of the cons I listed, like the lack of character development, will reappear with the sequels. This is an action movie with zombies, and though it isn't entirely faithful to the video game that it's based on, it's still a fun movie, and I recommend it. I give it 3 out of 4 Rotting Brains. So, movie 1 of the Resident Evil Marathon is in the books. Now, as I mentioned earlier, that's the only film I've seen from the series, so everything else from here on out will be first-time viewings for me. So last episode, I recommended the Netflix Instant Queue video of This Film Is Not Yet Rated. And this week on Once Upon an Instant Queue, I want to turn my attention to Amazon's Prime Instant Video service and make a recommendation that I first saw thanks to Netflix Instant Queue. This title is one that I never would have watched if it weren't for someone recommending it as a hidden gem on Q, and is a perfect example why I enjoy streaming media so much. I enjoy streaming media so much, but I will never give up my Blu-ray and DVD collection because I like having those cases and I like having the hard copy right in my hand. Anyway, the movie I want to recommend this episode is called Triangle, which is a horror thriller from writer-director Christopher Smith. Now, Triangle's cover art might lead you to believe you're embarking on a typical slasher film journey, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. Triangle is about a group of friends that are trying to enjoy a nice day off in their yacht somewhere near the Bermuda Triangle, and a storm rolls in, and the group is forced off their boat and onto a passing ship. The strange thing is, though, that the ship appears abandoned. When the friends start disappearing, the group realizes that they're not alone. Again, it might come off as a typical slasher film, but there's so much more to the story and I would hate to give away and spoil it for those that haven't seen it yet, so this is one that you're just going to have to trust me on. Triangle is a fun movie and one that you'll remember a long time after it's over simply because of the sheer originality of it all. Christopher Smith is an excellent director with a small filmography, and if you haven't spent any time with his films, Triangle is an excellent place to start. For those of you that might be interested in others, Black Death severance and creep are all available on netflix instant queue for some reason triangle is off of netflix instant but according to canistream.it it it is available on amazon prime instant video so if any of you listening decide to watch any of my once upon an instant queue recommendations i'd love to know what you thought of it so please let me know all right and that's going to do it for episode two of cinefessions on the next episode i'll continue the resident evil marathon with resident evil apocalypse from 2004 And as I mentioned in the last episode, i love to hear feedback from you guys. You can reach me on Twitter at Simon1, that's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1, or email me at simon1 at yahoo.com. Leave a comment at my blog, simon1.wordpress.com, or leave an iTunes review, which will be available shortly. There are plenty of ways to reach me, so don't be shy. Whether it's positive or negative feedback, I'd really love to hear from you guys. I hope you enjoyed the show, thanks a lot for listening, and I'll catch you next time.